to the Greek or the Gentile. Verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from face to face, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We call in 2017 the year of faith. And uh, Romans 1.17 says, From faith to faith, for the just shall live by faith. Now let me, let me share a couple of things with you. Uh, I'm not big on, on numerology and Bible numerology, but there's times that things come out that just sort of grab my attention. And uh, I found out that in, in Bible numbers, the number 17 represents complete victory over the enemy. Now think about that. Here we are in the year of 17, and God gave us a verse that is 17. Complete victory over the enemy. Now this is what God, that's what number 17 stands for. And I don't know if that means anything to you or not, but when I saw that last night, I said, God, no wonder you're doing what you're doing. No wonder you're, you're bringing this out like you are. Because God wants us to have complete victory. See, folks, God don't want you just going to victory fellowship, but God is desiring that this fellowship walk in victory. You, you get that? Let me show you something else. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Now this is another 17. But it's talking about the faith of Abraham. And it says, Like unto him whom he believed, even God, who calleth, who quickeneth the dead, or makes alive the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they are. That's a principle of faith right there. Calling things which be not as though they are, because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You, so you say, Pastor, you mean like name it, claim it? Well, sort of like that, because we do that anyway. Don't, don't we? How many times have you said, boy, I feel like I'm catching a cold, and the next day you get up, you're all stopped up with it? You caught it. <laughs> well, what if I said I'm not catching a cold? You might feel better tomorrow. Just give it a try and see, you know. Change our whole atmosphere. But and another translation of that, where it, says, where it says before him, another translation of that says like unto him. Abraham had a faith that was like unto God's faith. Then there's another 17, Romans 10, 17, that says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now that's found in a verse that's numbered 17 that talks about complete victory over the enemy. Folks, we're not involved in a win a few and lose a few kind of thing. God's desire for us is to have a perfect season. Now, does that mean we're never going to lose? No, 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 it's not what I'm saying. But understand this, that if there's a letdown, it's not God letting down. It's not God pulling back. It's not God drawing away and, said, and saying, well, I'm just going to see what old Bill's made out of. Can I tell you this? I don't know about your God, but the God I serve, the great Jehovah, Lord God Almighty, knows more about Bill than Bill knows about himself. And there's times that Bill may need to know where Bill stands. And as he goes through trials and difficulties, he begins to understand. And when he lets that trial and that difficulty, the temptation that's there, that he lets, that, lets patience work in that, then faith is increased and encouraged as he goes right on. But see, God knows us already. He knows everything about us. Now, that, that term there, for faith cometh by hearing, and in the Greek the understanding is that is listening with undivided attention. Hmm. Well, that's a different story, isn't it? We sit in church whenever uh, preaching's going on, and, and boy, we just really have to struggle. Or, or we're thinking about this afternoon. We're thinking about tomorrow. We're thinking about last night. We're thinking about yesterday. We're thinking about all of these kinds of things. You know, thinking about the big deer we saw down in the woods. We're thinking about if we don't watch ourselves, am I right? And we sit down to read the Bible. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could sit down and begin to read that Bible and never have anything on our mind except the text we're reading? 
I read it, and then I say, now what did I just read? And I go back and read it again. I, I, I'm down to reading one chapter a day. One a day. But I read that chapter, one chapter, several times to the point to where I begin to give my undivided attention to that and be able to understand what he's saying to me. That I can get it. Now, faith cometh by hearing, and that is hearing with your undivided attention. And then the next part says hearing by the Word of God, which talks about divine revelation coming to you because you listen with undivided attention to the Word of God. You know why a lot of folks is not getting any revelation on the Word of God? Can I tell you, without offending you? Y'all know I'm real politically correct, don't you? I mean, I major on that being politically correct. Nah, <laughs> not. People are not getting divine revelation because they're not listening with undivided attention. That's, that's as mean as I know how to be. Really, it's not there either. But, but what I'm saying is this, folks. Our whole life, everything about us, from the moment that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, begins to deal and bring conviction on our heart to get saved, from that point all the way through till we leave this earth has to do with faith. And if we don't appropriate that faith through the Word of God, folks, then we're going to miss so many things that God has for you and me and run into difficulties. And we're going to sit around then and cry and wonder, well, why did God do that to me? Now, last week we started talked about a whole lot of things on this Scripture right here. I want to, I want to go a little bit different direction this morning because it's, it's like I shared with you. I'm not doubting that a person in here in this does not have faith. I believe everybody here has faith. But what are we doing with that faith? What's keeping us from being able to receive from God the things that you and I need to receive? If you, you say, well, preacher, I know I'm saved, so I've got some faith. Yeah, you've got faith. You have, at salvation, you have a measure of faith. Can I tell you this? At salvation, God didn't give Pat more faith than he did. <laughs> My brother right here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't remember it either, so you said Steve. <laughs> oh, don't y'all love it when my face turns red? <laughs> that means I still get embarrassed. Anyway, listen to me. Listen to me. God did not give this fella more faith than that fella at salvation. I got out of that quick, didn't I? <laughs> The measure, the measure, if it had said a measure, then we could look at different people getting different amounts. But he said the measure of faith. Folks, whenever I got saved, soon be 48 years ago when I got saved, God gave me a measure or the measure of faith. And I didn't, I was not then where I am now in faith. Folks, this took me 48 years to get where I am in faith. And does that mean I'm a faith giant? No. But it does mean my faith is bigger than it was when I gave my heart and life to Jesus. Why? Because I determined one day, and this came about in 1980. This was about 11 years after I had got right with God. This came in 1980 that I determined that I was going to move from faith to faith. That it was going to be different in my life than what it always had been that I was going to move past the sadness and badness and gloom and doom and barely getting by and never have enough and, and, and just sick, poor, all this all the time. I made a decision. I was going to move past that. We, we made that decision, my wife and I. I stand up, dear. I want you all to look at her pretty new dress. No, I'm going to tell you that there was a time we couldn't buy a pretty new dress. And I mean, she, she wore hand-me-downs. We, we, we both did. Of course, I didn't wear many hand-me-downs because there wasn't that many people bigger than me to hand me down. <laughs> but anyway, don't she look nice? Amen. Bless you, dear. And 
you know, but what I'm saying, look here, folks. You've got to make a decision that I, I'm tired of things being like they are, and I want to move to a different situation. I want things different in my life. And if you're going to expect God to be involved in that, you're going to have to move from faith to faith. So if you've got faith and you're not going on, if you've got faith and things are not working, then evidently there's some things that's hindering your faith. Now, we talked about last week at the end, we talked about how that the major hindrance to people's faith and that faith working is their love walk. Galatians 5, 6 says, so it says that faith works by love. Now, that tells me two things. It tells me, number one, faith works. It works. It worked for Abraham. It worked for Isaac and Jacob and David and, and, and Samson. Yeah, it worked for Samson. You don't think it took faith for him to believe that God was going to strengthen him like he did? Now, he had some other stuff going on. David did too. Abraham had a little problem. Isaac and Jacob, you know, they... But thank God that God, God is able where we are to take us when we believe Him to where we need to be and lose all that junk along the way. Now, uh, we, we want to move and get past the roadblocks and the hindrances, the things that are slowing us down. So we're going to have to, we're going to, have to get involved with love because love is the fuel that will begin to cause faith to work in your life. Involved in that love is, and, and we're going to get on love again on down the road, so I'm not going to be heavy on it right now. But involved in that love is unforgiveness. You, you ought to read every day. If you're having trouble with your love life and loving people like you ought to, you ought to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 every day. Do you know that the word love is used in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 17 times? Think about that. 17 times. And the last time it's used in 1 Corinthians 13 is, and the greatest of these is love. So you ought to read it every day. Because remember what 17 represents, don't you? It means complete victory over the devil, over the enemy, and that's the devil. Now, you ought to read it every day and apply that to your life, and you'll find out that, that in, that in uh, love there's acceptance. There's acceptance for people that don't look like us, don't feel like us, don't smell like us. Don't even believe what we do. Because love is patient and love is kind. So there's acceptance for that. And, and you'll find a whole lot of other things. You begin to look at it and you'll find that, that there's forgiveness in love because love keeps no record of wrongs that are done to it. If you're keeping records, if you've got a scorecard and you're keeping a record of all the things that people's done against you and it don't have to be a literal scorecard. You've got it in your head. You're keeping a record your love life is hurting and your faith is not working. Now, I want to go to another place. I want to go to, to Matthew chapter 13. I like Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8 because it gives some par a parable that is a key to understanding the Word of God and receiving from God. And I know we talk about this a whole lot. But if, if I say something I've said before, please hold your undivided attention so that you can get a divine revelation this morning. But in Romans chapter, I mean, not Romans, Matthew chapter 13, he's given the parable of the seed and the sower. And we find out that he made statements like this as he talked about this in these different chapters in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. He talked about this is how the kingdom of God works. This is what we liken the kingdom of God to. How can we illustrate the kingdom of God and the way it works? So the first one of these that he chooses to select that is a parable, and he talks about how that the sower went out to sow, and when he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and, and uh, they sprang, uh, but they never did come up because the birds of the air came and stole them away. Then some fell among, uh, on rocky ground, and they sprang up, but they didn't have any depth of root, and so they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and, and the thorns sprang up and choked them out, and, and they didn't produce. But then others fell on good ground and brought forth fruit, some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, this is, this is what Jesus is telling us. Now, I want us to look at this. So he came to Jesus and said, why are you talking to him in parables? 
I'm getting down to where we're going here. Just bear with me a minute. And he said, well, i tell you why. He said, it's given to you. Now, he's talking to a group of men that's following him, believing him. He's talking to a group of people that's looking to him for help and answers and consolation, just like we are this morning. And he said, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to those folks... It's, it's not because Isaiah prophesied that they would hear with their ears and they would see with their eyes, and they still wouldn't receive. They still wouldn't believe. And so then he said this to them in verse 15. He said, for this people's heart, I want you to talk, think about your heart for a minute now because it's going to have a lot to do with what we talk about here over the next little bit. And, and the heart here is not this organ that's pumping blood. If it was, then everybody would have this, Okay. But it's like that because the spiritual heart is the seat of spiritual life. Now, the people's heart is waxed gross or grown, grown thick, hard, hard-hearted. And their ears are dull of hearing. The noise they're not putting any undivided attention in it. And their eyes, they have closed so they're not getting any divine revelation lest at any time they should see with their eyes and they should hear with their ears and should understand with their heart. Now, now here we come back. He said, you know, their heart is, is dull. It's, it's grown thick. It's grown hard. And he said, but now they should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Don't you notice what he talks about here? What does it take to be involved in this? It takes believing or seeing with your eyes, hearing with your ears, and understanding with your heart. He said that when a person will do this, then they're going to be converted. That word converted means they're going to have a change of mind. They're going to have a change of situation. They're going to have a change of things in their life. And, you know... A lot of people are saved. They've been converted as far as, as their salvation goes. But they've not been converted about healing. They've not been converted about the Holy Spirit. They've not been converted about the blessings of God. They've not been conver uh, converted about love and family unity and family harmony. They've not been converted about the righteousness of God, who they really are in Christ Jesus. So any of these areas or anywhere else you're having trouble with, if it's with your children or whatever... There's answers in the Word of God. Once you set yourself to see with your eyes and hear with your ears and understand with your heart, then you'll be converted. He said they'll be converted, and I'll heal them. He'll heal your situation. See, healing is not always just physically, but it includes physically. Healing can be spiritually. Thank God that we've all been healed. If you're a child of God, if you've been born, you've been healed spiritually. And if, you, if you've been saved and got away from that, then you need to be healed spiritually. You need a rehealing, I guess is the way you'd say that, isn't it? But whatever it is, when you see with your eyes, hear with your ears, and understand with your heart, then you can see healing physically, financially, spiritually, mentally, socially. You can see it happen in a whole lot of ways once you apply yourself to do this. So Jesus told them this, and then on down in verse 17, he begins to explain the parable to them. And in verse 17, he says, of Matthew 13, okay, <laughs> for verily, that's my fault, technical difficulty here on my part. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Go ahead to the next verse. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom, this is what Jesus preached. Another place over in Mark, it says that he, he told them in parables and preached his doctrine. What was his doctrine? His doctrine was the kingdom of God. Back over in Matthew chapter 4, when it talked about Jesus came into their coast preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. 
He preached the kingdom of God. The, the Beatitudes in, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is about the kingdom. And in the middle of that, in verse 6, 33, he said, Keep, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. He preached the kingdom. Now he's using parables to illustrate what he's talking about. So he said here, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and, and I, I'm going to be bold enough in the Lord to say this to you this morning, you're hearing the word of the kingdom. I want you to understand why it's the word of God. So you're hearing the word of the kingdom. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart that is he which receives seed by the wayside. Now, there's two people that can be at fault here for this, for not understanding. First of all, it can be the presenter the sower, the one sowing the Word. Not going into the Word enough to where people would have a reason to try to understand. And then the other person that, that can be involved here is the one that's hearing, that's just made up their mind, they're not going to understand this. This is not what I've always heard. This is not the way it is. This is not what my grandma believed. And bless God, I'm going to hold what she believed. Well, that's okay. But he said here, that they understand it not. Now, I want, us to, I want us to look at a few things about understanding. Paul had a great desire. I mean a tremendous burden for people to understand the Word of God. Uh, throughout his writings, he, he made statements like, I want you to understand this. And he used words like understand, understanding, understandeth. And even about four or five times in his writings, you read from Romans through Hebrews, he used this term, don't be ignorant. <laughs> don't be ignorant. So uh, in one place he said, don't be slothful, but understanding what the will of God is. And that word slothful there lends itself to being ignorant, lazy, not involved, not trying to do, and understanding what the will of God is. In uh, another place, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, he said, Consider, consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. He said, I want you to have this understanding. He said, Folks, the word understanding in itself means to put together, to take this knowledge and this stuff and put it together to comprehend ought to have a working knowledge of a thing, a working knowledge of it to where you can do what it says. Now, Mark is an electrician, instrument man, and he has to have a working knowledge of electricity. So, he's, he's got that. Now, Peyton there, his son, they got a close relationship. Peyton don't understand much about electricity. Now, the reason is, is because he's not put it, been put in a place to where he could understand and learn the things that Mark had. So, even though Peyton understands you turn the light switch on and the lights come on, and if they don't, there's a problem. He understands that. He understands that here's a socket. If you stick your finger in it, you're going to get tingled real bad. But he don't have a working knowledge of he don't have a working knowledge of how to produce it, how to get it in, how to hook it up, how to keep things going, and, and and he don't know how to do these things at this point in life. But if this is his desire and he continues to study, then he's able to take these things and these things and put them together to have a working knowledge of it. He can be an electrician, an instrumentation man, just like Dave. You see what I'm saying? So we want, to have, we want to have an understanding of the Word of God, then it takes some effort. Now Paul was concerned enough about this that he also prayed. He prayed for people to have an understanding. And one of my favorite prayers that Paul prays, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. And he said that the, that the Father of our Lord and Savior, the God of our Lord and Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. 
the eyes of your understanding. You mean my understanding has eyes? Well, you remember what we read back over there? That they see with their eyes. See with their eyes. And that's not talking about these little bubbles you have right here on your face. These pictures, these cameras that goes out and takes pictures and transfers them back to your brain lets you know what you're seeing physically. He's talking about spiritual eye. The eyes of your understanding, your knowing, your comprehending, your ability to, to put things together, have a working knowledge of. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, illuminated, that you can see the light begin to come through. That you can understand this, hey, there's something here for me. That then, that you may know understanding, wisdom, revelation, understanding that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. Now this is a prayer Paul prayed. Can I tell you this? I've told you this before. I pray this for this congregation almost on a daily basis. Can I tell you something? I pray this prayer for me. I pray, I pray, God, I want my eyes to be open. You say, Pastor, after nearly 48 years, they're still not open? Oh, I want to see more. There's some things I've not seen yet, Pat. There's some revelations that's not come yet. I want these things. And, and the only way I'm going to get these things is like I got the first thing, and it's through study and prayer and meditation in the Word of God. And so I pray, God, Open my eyes that I may say, help me to understand. As I read this, as I study this, as I listen to this, help me see the things I need to know. I want the eyes of my understanding open. I want to be able to, to see with my eyes and hear with my ear and understand with my heart. Why? So I can be converted and the Lord heal me of whatever situation is going on right then. So I want this understanding. See, the thing about it is, though, there's some effort involved. Back up there in 2 Timothy chapter 2, that word he said, consider these things and then the Lord give you understanding in all things. That word consider there means to exercise the mind. That's what it means. Exercise the mind. Do you know that the older folks, they encourage you to read more than watch? Why? Because as you read, your mind's going to be exercised. As you watch, if you spend a lot of time watching TV and watching, no matter what you're watching, but you're not doing any thinking. You're not putting forth any effort except just sit there. You bring me a cup of coffee? You see what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with watching but whenever we, we allow the social media, whenever we allow the TV, when we, wherever we allow these things to do our thinking for us, can I tell you this? When all the time that you think about the things of God is when you come to church on Sunday morning and find out what I'm preaching about, if that is the extent of your getting in the Word of God, then you're not exercising your mind. You're not considering these things, and therefore understanding's not coming to you. And he said, when you understand with your heart, you'll be converted. In other words, the situation that you're in will be changed, and you'll be healed in that thing. Now, and if you're thinking it's going to be changed, your attitude about this whole deal. It takes effort. It takes effort. You say, Pastor, I work a job. And I know you do, most of you. There's some of us that's got to the point where we don't have to hit a time clock every day. Some's wishing they could get to a time clock every day. <laughs> Not in a hurry, huh? <laughs> but, but let me tell you, when I began to see this several years ago, I worked a job. I worked a job that was 10 hours a day. Four, five, six days a week. And I'm not talking about pastoring. I was pastoring at that same time too. We lived there in North Carolina. And, and uh, I would get up in the morning and had to be on the job ready to go at 15 to 6. And I'd, I'd, I'd get up in the morning I'd let the reader sleep. I'd go in and I'd cook my own breakfast. Believe it or not, I would. She'd fix stuff up the night before and all I had to do was just cook it. 
and I'd cook my own breakfast, and I would sit down and I would take the Bible, and I would turn to a passage of Scripture, and I'd read that Scripture, and I'd read it over and over and over while I was sitting there eating breakfast. Read it over and over and over until I could get the main points of that in me. And I carried that with me all day long. All the way to work. I was just thinking about it. Thinking about this that I just read. I, and, I, and it worked. Whenever I could, could have the opportunity and I didn't have to just be focused. I worked at a pipe foundry at that time where there was a lot of molten iron and you had to be focused on things at a certain time or you could get burnt. But when I was at a point where I didn't have to focus on, I'd, I'd be thinking about it. I'd set my lunch. I'd take my lunch and, and I'd just think about these scriptures that I read this morning. I'd roll them over and over and I'd pray and, and God would show me things. And I'd understand things. And I, and I was getting it in me, folks. Now, let me tell you something. I appreciate the fact you work a job, but that don't mean that you have to leave the Word of God at home when you walk out the door when you can take it with you in your heart. They may not let you bring your Bible to work, but guess what comes with you every day you go to work? Right. That spirit man in you. Your heart. And as you're getting that in you, you're strengthening your spirit man. So, it, it you know, we can't use this i got to work. Most of us, even though we have a job or you have a job or whatever you want to call whatever I do, I don't know. But there's time. Every day, there's time that you can be in the Word. And what's going to come with that is understanding because you're going to begin to see with your eyes and hear with your ears and you're going to understand with your heart and you're going to see the things of God come about. How do you have understanding? Well, let's look at this for just a few minutes. My goodness, we're going along real good today. I'm done over half through and just still just 10 after 11. I'm going to have to slow down, man. I feel like y'all not getting your money's worth or something whenever we get out so early. <laughs> I don't know. How do I get this understanding? In Proverbs chapter 4, I want to show you some scripture here. Proverbs chapter 4. And this is going to be from the New Living Translation. I hope that's not offensive to anybody that we're switching gears from the King James. But I want you to understand. I, I like the King James. Let's just clear this up. I like the King James Version. I read out of it more than I do anything else. But folks, I, my computer's got 26 different translations on it and I use them all when I'm studying. Because I want to be able to understand. Now listen to what this says. My child. King James says, my son. So I like this right off because it includes all of us. Young and old, men, women, boys and girls of all ages, as Cousin Cliff used to say. Y'all don't remember who Cousin Cliff is, do you? That was from a different era. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. There's your eyes. Let them penetrate deep in the heart. How it gets from here, from here to here to here, it's got to come through here. Let them penetrate deep down into your heart. Why? For they bring life. They bring life to those that find them and healing to their whole body. Well, now, preacher, that's got, that's got to mean something else. Well, what does it say? In... Uh, in the King James, it says that it's health to all their flesh. And the literal translation is that it is medicine to all of their flesh. What is? The Word of God. What He's saying to us. It's medicine. Let me tell you something. It's better medicine than penicillin. It's a steroid that don't pick you up and then boot you down whenever it gets worked out of your system. You look at it that way. Folks, I'm telling you the Word of God will do everything that we need for the Word of God to do in our life. But we've got to pay attention to it. We've got to guard it. Guard it in our heart. Guard it in our life. Or, or it'll get away from us and we don't want it to have to happen. In Mark chapter 4, verse 25, or 24 rather, Mark chapter 4, verses 24 and 25, again from the New Living Translation, listen to what it says. Then he added, now, in Mark chapter 4, he's given the parable of the seed and the sower. And, and it's almost like it is in Matthew, but it's a little bit different. But then it comes down to this. He said, and then he added, pay close attention 
to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. They'll be by the wayside and the enemy will come and pick it up. Steal it away. It's gone. He said, be careful what you hear. And you know, if you're, if you're careful about what you're listening to, boy, that includes a whole lot, don't it? What you're listening to. What are you listening to on your music? What are you listening to on your TV? What are you listening to on your social media? What are you listening to? Are you listening to things that, are, that, that bring good, wholesome things to us that will build us up in the Word of God and not tear us down by the ungodliness of the world? You say, Preacher, you, you're talking about just living a life of a hermit. No, I'm not. I'm talking about living a life of those that are desiring to see the things of Almighty God take place. I've, I've, time and time again, I've heard testimonies of people that had some kind of disease, some kind of problem, that the doctors even pronounced terminal in situations. And instead of just losing it and wondering, oh God, why me? What's going to happen to my poor family once I'm gone? They turn that thing and they get the Word of God. And they lock themselves away in the Word of God. They listen to preaching and teaching about the situation they're involved in. They build themselves up on their most holy faith. They, they shut off anything that's negative to that. I told you about the, the minister that was a, a converted Muslim, Nasser Siddiqui. His wife had MS, and he, he got all these tapes and started playing them in their house day and night, day and night, day and night, teaching praise music, and put a sign on his door and said, if you do not agree with us that my wife is healed by the stripes of Jesus, then do not come in. You say, it's radical. She got up off that bed completely free of MS. Now, what's radical? I think we need some radical folks, don't you, J.J.? I think we need to get radical. Folks, let me tell you something. Life is not easy. And we, we make it difficult because we come to the place that we want to fit in. I'm not looking to fit in. I'm looking to live. Right? I'm not looking to fit in, folks. I'm looking for the blessings of God in, in my area. I'm looking for my family to be right with God. I'm looking for my, for, for my relationship to be right with God. That's what I, I don't care whether I fit in or not. I'm not concerned about fitting in here because I'm already plugged in with heaven. Joshua 1.8 This book of the law that book you have in your hand, your social media, whatever you're looking at it on, that book, the Word of God, shall not. I want you to notice how he said this. This is sort of like a command. Yeah, but Pastor, that was to Joshua. You mean God would tell Joshua something he wouldn't let me and you have to? I believe if it was for Joshua, it was for me and you today. Because this is the key to success. Everybody wants to be successful. I don't know anyone, and I know there's not a person in this room that wants to go down in defeat in this life. I don't know. Hey, hey can, you, can you imagine somebody says, well, bless God, I'm going to get to lose today. No. So he gives him a key to success. So here's a key to success. If it was for him, it's for me and you. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Out of thy mouth? Yeah, it means that some of us need to change our talking. We don't talk the Word of God enough. A book of remembrance, Malachi said, was written, and those whose names was written there went about rehearsing the things of God. I want to be in that book of remembrance, don't you? Talking the things of God. Well, listen, Pastor, when, you, when you're out making a business transaction, you can't talk the things of God. No, but you can talk in a godly manner. 
There's this attitude in the world that you've got to, if you're going to be tough in business and tough as a man, then you've got to huff and snort and cuss and raise sand and all that kind of stuff. No, you don't. All you got to do is do what? The Word of God. But anyway, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Day and night. That's sort of like night and day. That's all the time. There's no time out with that. No vacation. I hear people say, oh, I need a vacation. I need a playcation. No, you don't. You need a wordcation. You need to get away with the Word of God and then the Word of God. If you did that, then burnouts would be a whole lot less and wouldn't be as furious and as hard when you come into difficulties in life. Why, you've got a foundation to stand on. You've got the Word of God. Meditate in it day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Yep, there's some things in the Bible I don't like. <clears throat> Can I tell you this? Being just honest, will you? There's some things in the Bible I don't like too. You, you, what, what do you mean, Pastor? You mean you like to sit? No. But you know, I'd like to just be able to eat anything I wanted to when I want to, as much as I wanted to, wouldn't you? But you know, there's something in there that says about gluttony. Talks about that. I had this thought, you know, right now a lot of people are doing this Daniel fast. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, you never hear anything about the Daniel diet. What are you talking about, the Daniel diet? Well, back over there in, in chapter 1 of the book of Daniel, whenever he told that guy, I said, look, we won't eat what we've been eating, which was just pretty much a pure vegetable diet. Now, I'm not advocating become a, a vegan, vegan, ever how you say it. But if we would be more concerned about what we eat, and, and do a little bit more fast than the other 11 months, we might not have to start out the year with a fast. We'd already be caught up to date with it, you see. Now, do according to all that is written therein. You know, the more you're in the Word of God, the more you love to do the things that the Word of God says to do. The more you love to do Why? Why do I want to do that? For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Another translation said that you'll learn how to deal wisely in all the affairs of life. Deal wisely every day. Deal wisely about your job. Deal wisely with the people at work. Deal wisely with your family. Deal wisely with your children. Deal wisely with your finances. Deal wisely in your business decisions. Deal wisely in all of these things. You'll know how to do that. But folks, you can't get away from the Word of God and have that wisdom like you need. Meditate. He said, this book shall not depart out of your mouth. The word meditate in itself it means to mutter or to speak to yourself. So I take the Word of God and I speak it to myself. I speak it to... You know what happens when I speak the Word of God to myself and I listen to it? I give my undivided attention to the Word I'm speaking as I'm hearing and speak that, then I'm opening myself up for divine revelation to come to me in the Word of God. Now, a couple more things and then I'll be through. He said that these are they which fell by the wayside. Now, here's something that hinders our understanding. The wayside. The wayside here is, is uh, thinking about it's next to the hustle and bustle of life. Next to busy. Just too busy. Wayside. Set in church, too busy. Set in church with things on our mind except what the preacher's preaching. I may have done lost some of you by now. I don't know, but I hope not. Do like my old English teacher, Mr. Hudson, used to say over at Holly Point. He'd say, come home now, children. Come home. Come home. Come home. When he saw he lost us and blessed his heart, Mr. Hudson knew English, but he could not lecture. And it didn't take but about three minutes to be lost. You know. <laughs> you just, come home now, children. Come home now, children. Let me tell you what this, this by the wayside happens. It, what it turns into turns into a way of thinking, a manner of thinking. I just don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. How, what, what somebody say, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing good. Boy, I'm busy. Well, you know, have you done this? No, I just don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I want to be able to tell the worldly allurements, I don't have time because of the Word of God. Instead of telling the Word of God, I don't have time because of all the things in the world. I don't want it by the wayside. 
few things that keeps us from understanding, number one, is tradition. Bless God, Pastor, that's not what I've always been taught. And I understand that. Folks, I had to come to a point one time to where that I realized that what I was hearing from the Spirit of God was not in line with what I had always been taught. And I had to make a decision. And I made a decision to begin to see the Word of God through the eyes of the Spirit instead of through the eyes of tradition of the group that I was aligned with at that time, the denomination I was in. I remember, I remember one time, I don't remember if Brother Wayne was there or not, but up where he used to go to church, uh, they uh, wanted me to come do a men's devotion. And I'd go with several, every few months up there to do the devotion for their men's meeting. And, and one Sunday morning I was there doing that, had breakfast, you know. And I told them, I said, guys, let me tell you something. When you begin to see the Word of God through the eyes of the Spirit instead of through your Baptist tradition, things change. You know they've never asked me to come back to that church. <laughs> never have. Said a word about it. Was you still going there at that time? Brother Wayne decided to start seeing things through the eyes of the Spirit. That don't mean they don't. I'm not saying that, but I'm going to tell you, so many times tradition keeps us from seeing the things of God like we need to see. The things that God shows us. And I remember my daddy saying to me one day, he said, son, he said, he said, are you turned against everything I taught you? I said, no, sir, daddy. I hadn't turned against nothing you taught me. You didn't teach me wrong. You just didn't teach me enough. It just didn't go far enough. But our tradition, the way we've always done it, what we've always heard, how we've always acted, all of this tradition keeps us from understanding the Word of God because our tradition will not let that Word get into our hearts where we can understand it. Our love walk, done talked about that. I won't go back on that except to tell you this. If you're not endeavoring to love people around you, those that like what God says, it's going to hinder your understanding the Word of God. Our words will hinder us from understanding the Word of God. When we hear one thing and we like that and then we turn around and just say something different than what we have just heard that we like is not going to become understanding to us. It's just going to become some words that somebody spoke. There's words that we don't need to be saying. Can I tell you this? If you believe that you're born again, that you're a child of God, your, your words out of your mouth ought to be, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not, I'm just an old sinner. No, you quit being an old sinner when you got saved. Now you're a child of God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the Word of God. Folks, it took me five years to understand that, and I lived a five years defeated life as a Christian because I didn't understand that He made me a new creature, but one day my eyes was open, and I saw that it made all the difference in the world. And from that time till this, I've never confessed I'm just an old sinner. My confession is I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. If I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ, He's not just an old sinner. I'm not just an old sinner either because I'm His brother. According to the Word of God. Our words. If you believe, if you believe God that you're healed by the stripes of Jesus and you don't need to go around complaining about how sick you are all the time. You're undoing understanding in the Word of God. Yeah, but Pastor, I'm not going to lie. It's not a lie to say I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. You're saying what you believe. What you're speaking may be a fact, but the truth for a child of God is that you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. And your confession needs to be by His stripes of Jesus. How are you today? Oh, I'm just, man, I'm just so sick. My head hurts. Why, why can't, you, can't, you, can't you say how are you doing today? Well, I believe, I believe that I'm doing wonderful. And that's, my, that's the way I greet everybody. Y'all know that. How are you today, Pastor? I'm wonderful. Is things always wonderful? No, but, but that's between me and God. That's what I'm holding on to. And you say, but yeah, when people can see that, is it still wonderful? Yeah, it's still wonderful because I'm not moved by what you see. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by the Word of God, and God's Word says that by His stripes I'm healed. People walk around talking about how poor they are. Children of God ain't got no right to walk around talking about how poor. You may not have any money in your pocket, but you don't need to be confessing you're broke because you're heir to the riches of heaven. And you trust Him, God will take care of that. Then willful ignorance. I touched on that to begin with. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
They're destroyed. It's a lack of knowledge. People reject knowledge. People reject understanding. And it comes upon a being willful ignorance. Now, you say, well, now, preacher, if I don't agree with you, does that mean I'm willing to ignorant? No. If you don't agree with me, I encourage you and challenge you to go study the Word of God and see if these things could be so. That's what Paul said to a group of people one day. He said, look into them and see for yourself if these things can be so. And boy, they disagreed with him vehemently. He said, just look into it. Look in to see what God said. Look in to see what the Word of God is declaring to us. Understand, let the Spirit of God teach you. So as we do that, then we begin to gain understanding. And the Word of God then don't fall by the wayside. We have understanding, and we come to the point to where the last part of that parable in verse 23 says that those that fell on good ground are those that hear the Word of God and understood it. And it brought forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. I want to hear it and understand it, don't you? Let me say this to you this morning. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, it's the first place to start. And you can have all of these other things I talked about. Jesus gave his life on the cross for you. I never make apologies for encouraging people to get saved. Never do. And if someone's away from God, I never make apology for encouraging them to get back right with God. You say, but can I? Yes, you can. You sure can. He said, he said, I love you. And I'm not done with you. And if you confess your sins, I'll forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is his word. And folks, this is what he's saying. And I encourage you this morning, if you're not where you need to be with God, See it with your eyes, His love and forgiveness. Hear it with your ears and understand and believe in your heart. 